Good afternoon. This is WVEW Brattleboro, 107.7 FM, your community radio station. This is Indigo Radio, deepening understanding, making connections, on the air every Sunday at noon. We are a group of educators seeking to learn through engaging with others in our community and throughout the world. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Indigo Radio. And our recorded shows are posted to our podcast and SoundCloud. The views and opinions expressed on this program are those of the host and guests and not of the radio station. So good afternoon again. I'm Marisa Nielsen. I'm here with... I'm Anna Milani, and I'm a local educator, as is Marisa. And last week's show, we were talking about the national prison strike, which is coming up between August 21st and September 9th. If you missed that show, you can find the link on our Facebook page or our podcast. And Brattleboro Solidarity is actually hosting a film event on Thursday the 30th at the Root Social Justice Center here in Brattleboro. And we're going to talk more about the strike there. We're showing the film. It's called The Prison in 12 Landscapes. And today on the show, we are focusing on local politics and why they matter. So on the heels of the Vermont primaries last week, we thought it would be good to talk about what are ways people can get involved locally in pushing for change in their local community. And we are really lucky to be joined in the studio by two sort of local celebrities. I, I feel <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> we have uh, two town reps of District 2, H.B. Lozoto and Daniel Quip. So welcome to the show. Did I say your name wrong? Yes. <laughs> Please correct. Uh, hey, radio listeners. This is H.B. Lozito. Uh, sorry, sorry, HB. HB and I have known each other for 10 or plus years. <laughs> We're off to a great start. <laughs> welcome to the show. And Daniel, Thank welcome so to the show. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks very much. Uh, we are going to get right to you, but before we do that, we're actually going to play an Aretha Franklin song. Aretha uh, passed away on August 16th. She was known as the Queen of Soul. So we're going to play... Uh, our first song, Don't Play That Song You Lied, and we will be back. Aretha Franklin. Thank you. 
Welcome back. This is Indigo Radio on WVEWLP Brattleboro, your community radio station. We're here in the studio talking about local politics and why they matter. Um, I think that Anna and I in planning were a little bit considering, you know, yeah, we're, we're in the world. Um, we're, we're fighting against capitalism, but we are also here in our local Brattleboro town, and, and it does matter. Um, so we wanted to talk to HB and Daniel about their experiences um, with the select board and um, the town of Brattleboro. So, uh, embarrassingly so, Anna and I didn't know a whole lot about the structure of government here in Brattleboro. Um, Daniel shaking his head. <laughs> you are not alone. You are not alone in that. <laughs> and, and we figured we weren't alone in that. So, um, we did a little research, but HB, could you just tell us a little bit about um, the structure of government, how things run here in Brattleboro? Um, sure. So I'll also say I'm, you know, I am not an expert in this. And so I'm also myself learning things all the time about local government. And um, and it's we also have a pretty unique structure here in Brattleboro and also in Vermont. I was talking to our town clerk, um, Hillary Francis, the other day. And she was like, yeah, you know, often, quite oftentimes um, when I'm talking about a town process, there's some answer that will come up and people say, oh, we'll, we do it differently in Brattleboro, right? And so I think there's a lot of things, a lot of things that are unique to the way that our specific town is governed as well as in Vermont. Um, but so, so Brattleboro is governed by a five-person select board, um, people who are elected to one and three-year terms. So we just elected new people last March. Um, and those people hire our town manager. Um, so we don't have a mayor here, which is common misconception. We have a town manager who's not elected, who's hired, who is hired again by the five member select board who are people that we elect. Um, and then there's a whole structure of town government underneath that the town manager manages all of those people. Actually, the town clerk is one of the things that we decide or that we approve at town meeting, which we'll talk about. Um, so we have a five-person select board. We have a town manager. And then the body that Daniel and I are elected representatives of is called Representative Town Meeting. And unlike most other towns in Vermont, I believe unlike every other town in Vermont, um, here in Brattleboro, we have a representative town meeting, which means that the people of Brattleboro elect about 140 people from three districts to act again in one and three year terms to decide all of our things like the town budget, um, the elementary, the town of Brattleboro school budgets, and then, you know, a slate of other articles, which is a limitless number, frankly. Um, and so that happens in March. The entire town votes on articles like folks may remember voting um, via paper ballot for the plastic bag ban for town legislator or for state legislature for town meeting representatives. So the entire body of the town, all 12,000 of us or however many of us are over the age of 18, although that may also be changing. There's a ballot initiative or a initiative up right now to lower the voting age to 16 um, here in Brattleboro. So all of us who are of voting age, whatever that age may be, decide those things that are on the paper ballot and then the 140 of us who are elected town meeting representatives go Daniel might help me with this it's the third Saturday after the second Tuesday or something like that it's always a Saturday a full Saturday in March last year's was March 24th and we all go for a full Saturday and decide um, a, a large number of the rest of the items that are going to help us determine how the rest of our town is governed for the remainder of the year Thank you. So can you just tell us a little bit more about town meeting? So not only are some of the things that all 12,000 uh, voting residents in Brattleboro deciding what will get talked about at that town meeting, but there are also other things that can be brought 
to that too. Is that correct? Yeah. So there's a number of ways that things can get on what is called the town meeting warning, which is really like, I think of it as like the town meeting agenda. Like what are, what are we going to talk about that day? It's called the town meeting warning. So if you hear that term, that's what that means. And so there's a number of different ways that things can get sort of on that list for consideration. Select board members can approve to put an item on and anyone can bring an item to select board members and say, I'd like this to be put on the town meeting warning. Um, If they decide yes, then it goes on. People, the way that the plastic bag ban got on town meeting warning was they collected a certain number of signatures and I think it's 10% of, it's 5% of voters and so you have to have five percent of registered voters in number of signatures and then there's oh is it ten it's ten percent for a binding resolution and five percent for a non-binding resolution Mm -hmm. so basically a non-binding resolution like the plastic bag ban they got the five percent of registered voters to sign a petition it got placed on a town meeting warning which was on march 6th that everybody voted on and then that, that basically is like the town, the voters of the town are making a strong suggestion to the select board who are, who are frequently the ultimate decision makers that like, we want this plastic bag ban. We'd like all single use plastic bags to be gone from stores in Brattleboro. It's non-binding because the threshold of signatures that were gathered was lower. If it was binding, if we had voted, then they would have had to instantly enact whatever that was. Hmm. Um, Can I just ask a clarification question? So any one of us can go and say, I would like this to be on the town meeting warning, right? Do you have to get signatures for that item or can you just, so if you get signatures, is that then more likely to go forward? It depends. If you have the favor of, you know, the majority of the select board members, of which there are five, then they can just vote and decide to put it on the warning. Okay. So that's one way to get it on. But typically, um, in the years that I've been watching the select board, when somebody brings a proposal to go on the warning, they usually say, go get the signatures. Like, okay. And in some way, it's like a good kind of check and balance um, because you actually have to go out into the town and gather up. It's about like 400 and something mm-hmm. signatures. To do that, you really need probably more like 600 because you end up with duplicates. You end up with ones that aren't valid anymore because people change the address and the town clerk doesn't have the new address or whatever so like by the time you've got those signatures you've actually talked with a lot of people already and you can take the temperature of the town and see whether or not there's actually any interest in the thing you're trying to get on the warning so but i i i work with 350 vermont and 350 vermont passed resolutions in 35 towns this spring and many of those you know the people went to like their local select board and the select board said sure we'll put it on the warning they didn't have to like gather signatures but i think like those are like much smaller places mm-hmm. and here i think it's good i think it's like yeah. it's a good way to do democracy yeah you kind of get a pulse of yeah. a, a sense of what people are wanting so those are two ways and then actually at the end of town meeting is time for people who are meeting members to kind of just propose any any non-binding resolutions that they want that's how indigenous people's day um came in the first round before it was official um and was that just official for one year it was just at that time it was for one year okay yeah so so that happened at the end of town meeting um town meeting members said we would like to make a proposal that um we recognize indigenous people's day instead of columbus day in town it was a non-binding resolution because it wasn't on the official warning or the official agenda beforehand um I'm pretty sure it was passed unanimously at town meeting at that time, um, and then select board carried it forward for one year. So that's how that came about. 
And last year, there were some a couple big, big things that happened at town meeting. Can you talk a little bit, a bit about those? There were a lot of big things. Always a lot of big things. Anyone <laughs> that knows me, know, you know, I always, <laughs> town meeting day is like my favorite day of the year. Um, I think it's really, it's so much fun. It's a very direct way for people to participate in decision making. And as Anna knows, I've been trying to convince her to become a town meeting <laughs> representative for many years. And it's, now I know all about it. Yes. And it's really, you know, it's just, it's a commitment of one day, essentially. Um, there's a couple meetings beforehand and of course if there are any special meetings called throughout the year but the bulk of it is one day that you go so it's it's a really good way to affect a lot of things that happen in our community with a shorter commitment so there were a lot there's always a lot of big things that happen at town meeting um this year we approved nine hundred thousand dollars in funding for a new fire truck a new ladder truck which is a big expenditure there was a lot of conversation about how do we want to have how do we want to spend that money do we want to borrow it all do we want to pay it from cash from a fund balance that we maintain so I've learned a lot as a town meeting representative about how the finances of the town work and actually how a lot of finances work. Um, So that was a really big item that we as a community are going to be paying for for the next 10 years. The... Um, the skate park came asking for $20,000. As we all know, the skate park has been trying to get built for too long. And so as town meeting representatives, um, some people said, you know what, $20,000 actually doesn't feel like enough for this project right now. We'd really like to see it over the finish line. We'd really like to see it um, be able to come into reality now. So let's let's give them $40,000. Um, Sheila Linton proposed that from District 2. And then some other people said, you know what, let's find out how much would they need to finish the project. So you, you can participate in town meeting as a member of the public who's non-elected. You can't vote. So there were people there from the skate park talking on behalf of their project who said, you know, okay, well, we've got this grant coming in. We've got this these matching funds. And I think we need about $60,000 to really get us over the finish line. And so we as town meeting members made a proposal. Everything runs by Robert's rules. So it's very like, make a proposal. Is there a second? And, you know, all that kind of like very deeply official um, type of conversation. And so someone made a proposal to increase the funding to $60,000. And then we all voted and passed and decided to give the skate park $60,000 instead of $20,000, which is really exciting. And like that abbreviated uh, <laughs> kind of story there doesn't really tell the whole story because this was like an hour and a half right. of like debate and almost like a game of poker with like people <laughs> raising and calling and bluffing and uh, trying to like, I don't know, justify why or, you know, all this kind of thing. It, w- it was kind of interesting. It was my first time being there. And um, it was like a good example of how a bunch of people in the town can follow the lead of somebody that like has a more radical kind of position and then like hash out like whether or not this is actually something that really meets the will of like the body right because it was really like you know Sheila Rusty and then a couple of other people like weighed in and then everybody else got to listen to all these arguments and like decide as a body Mm -hmm. whether this was something they wanted to do Mm. yeah it's I mean to me it's a great it's like a very good way to have a deep whole community conversation certainly not whole community a large group conversation I think about people that have a lot of different views about what and how we should be spending town money and you said uh, 140 people are the deciding people I think that's that's the number that's in my mind it's close to that around Um, yeah so it's people who are elected from each of three districts in Brattleboro um, district 2 the district that Daniel and I live in um, 
Um, yeah, woo! We loved District Two. Fun fact: <laughs> Fun fact for District Two was the only district in Brattleboro that filled all of our town meeting members' seats this year. Wow. So we nice. have a lot of we have a lot of growing and building energy in District Two. To, and um, Districts One and Three, we love them also. And if you live in District One or Three, um, fill the seats. They had empty seats in town meeting last year, and so that meant there were more people um, who could have had their voice heard in that space. Um, who How many were. years can you be a town rep? Is that there's not a limit. Oh, okay. Yeah, as long as you keep getting elected. Or, okay. So there's, there's also a few ways you can become a town meeting member. You can be you can gather signatures, 10 signatures from people who live in your district um, to get on the ballot, which is what I did, um, and got elected for a three-year term. So I got elected in 2017, and I'll run again in 2020. Or, you c- or a one-year seat. You can also run for a one-year seat. Or if you don't do either of those, you can get caucused in, go to a meeting with people from your district, and they decide, yes, we like you enough, you should have a seat. Okay, great. And what you were just saying now kind of reminded me sort of about like access, you know, so this meeting is like long. It's like 10 hours this year, um, plus those two like evening meetings to kind of learn about the budget. And maybe like one of the barriers in the past would have been like, you know, I have kids and I need to take care of them. Um, So a decision was made in advance of this year's meeting to make childcare available throughout the day. And at the end of this year's representative town meeting, a decision was made to make sure that that was available for all future town meetings. That's great. I think, right? Yeah, so it'll be, there's two pre-meetings um, during the week but leading up to town meeting to talk about um, the town budget, get more information about that and why the people who put spent a lot of um, time and energy putting that budget together made the decisions they did and one for the school budget as well where you also hear an update about what's been happening in um, our three elementary schools throughout the year and so there will also be childcare available for those meetings. If people have been thinking of becoming a town meeting member but what am I going to do with my kids all day on a Saturday, um, there's childcare available which is great. Yeah, that is great. That's awesome. So I think we'll take a quick break and we are strictly playing Aretha Franklin today. Yeah. So the song you're going to hear is uh, Say a Little Prayer. And we will be back with Daniel and HB.
Today's programming on WVEW is underwritten in part by Everyone's Books. Located in downtown Brattleboro at 25 Elliott Street, Everyone's Books is a family-owned, independent bookstore that has been serving the community for over 30 years. They specialize in books about social change, the environment, politics, and travel, and offer a huge range of children's books. You can reach them by phone at 802-254-8160 or online via their website at everyonesbks.com. WVEW thanks Everyone's Books for their support of this station. Welcome back. This is WVEW Brattle... Sorry. <laughs> WVEW LP Brattleboro, 107.7 FM, your community radio station. This is Indigo Radio. We are talking today about local politics here in Brattleboro. We're joined by Daniel Quip and H.B. Lazito. And we've just finished talking a little bit about town reps and town meeting. And we wanted to ask Daniel a little bit about your experience with the select board. So can you just first tell us what is the select board and how does it work? Sure. Uh, So as H.B. was explaining earlier, Brattleboro doesn't have a mayor. Uh, we have a select board. So like you could, it's kind of analogous in some ways to like a city council. So we have a five-person select board, which is elected for one or three-year terms. And uh, we have a town manager and an assistant town manager and a town clerk and the town manager's uh, secretary and you know, other kind of like staff people and departments, like a ton of departments. Uh, we're also hiring right now, plug for hiring an HR manager, town of Brattleboro. If you are out there and you have HR experience, um, especially if you're a person of color or LGBTQ or any other thing, um, there's been a big push lately to diversify the town staff. Um, so check out brattleboro.org if you are an, H- an experienced HR manager. Yeah, that's, uh, that's good. Yeah. That, and that actually, that's a good segue. So that position came out of a conversation that happened at the select board level and was born in a select board candidates forum uh, that I and HB and a bunch of other people helped organize uh, a couple of years back. And one of the questions that was asked by Curtis Reed of the, oh my heavens, Vermont Partnership for Fairness and Diversity, he asked the question, he said, why in the, you know, Brattleboro Town employees, is there not like one person of color uh and they were like oh wait that's that's true oh we didn't know and then there was like this conversation that happened at the select board level over a period of weeks that eventually led to uh the creation or the proposal for a creation of a hr position uh the town has never had a hr manager well, at least not in my knowledge and yeah so that's like one of the ways that the sausage gets made um so let's let's go back to brass tacks a little bit about the select board so right now we have five people on the select board um we've got brandy star yay brandy <laughs> uh we've got tim wessel tim and i sometimes agree about things sometimes don't but like i admire tim's like willingness to like be part of like democracy in our small town uh, we've got uh, David Scholes, who he and I uh, have a lot in common around like environmental stuff. Uh, we've got Chantal Lee Gander, uh, who is new to the board this year and still sort of finding out what she's about. And uh, Kate O'Connor, who is the chairperson of the board. Uh, Kate is um, also the director of the Brattleboro Chamber of Commerce. She and I don't really agree on all that much. 
um, and that's okay because like on a five-person board I think it's good to have like a, a range of opinions represented and that's like what democracy looks like so Brattleboro select board meetings happen on two Tuesday or the first and the third Tuesday every month in the municipal building which is next door to the library and they usually start at 6.15 in the evening. However, uh, they're long, or at least they can be, depending on the agenda and how like, long the discussions go on for. So if you show up at 6.15 and your agenda item isn't on until like, the second to last agenda item, you know, bring a cushion. You're stressing. Bring like, you a know, snack. A, sna a couple of snacks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you know, some knitting or something. Um, <laughs> So, Daniel, um, you, you attend a lot of these select board meetings, is that correct? I attend fewer than I used to. Okay. Because I have a lot yeah. of stuff going on in my life. Um, so, why do you go? Okay, so I, I go for a few reasons. Um, one is that I'm um, an activist and organizer with 350 Vermont. Uh, 350 Vermont is a statewide climate action organization, climate justice organization, and I go representing 350 Brattleboro, which is our local group of 350 here. And we are super interested in what the town is doing around renewable energy, around energy efficiency, around sustainability in general. And uh, at the town level, there's been a lot of conversation around that in the last few years. Um, most people probably don't know that like a municipal energy audit was um, was authorized and executed in January of 2016 and and that audit gave like pages and pages and pages of recommendations for how the town could weatherize its buildings to make them more efficient and thus saving the people of Brattleboro money and also be less wasteful in terms of like their energy use and it also made recommendations for how the town could get off um, oil heat mostly and get on to uh, something that was more sustainable like local uh, wood pellets. Um, so I, I went to a lot of meetings for that reason. Um, I've also been involved because I was pushing for the town to, to make a decision to get off fossil fuels. Well, I guess one of the kind of interesting things for me about like town politics in a place this size is that it's five people making a decision and you know those five people and they know who you are and if you show up on a regular basis you build a relationship you build some trust and i feel like when i'm going to a select board meeting i'm not necessarily going as like myself i'm going as a representative of an organization with about 500 interested people locally with a national and international reputation and in doing so you know we get to affect some change Mostly, though, it's pretty kind of slow and frustrating and compromised. Um, but do a lot of people show up? No. <laughs> I was just curious. Yeah. It so depends. Well, if, it does depend. So if there's a like a big topic, um, you know, like any committee meeting as well. So there's we didn't talk about the committee structure. There's also many, many, many town committees, arts committee, citizen police communication, tree committee, tree committee cemetery committee, weigher of coal, like all of these things mm -hmm. that. Um, anyone can participate in as well. And so similarly, um, a lot of folks don't show up for select board unless there's like a really big hot button issue. When we were talking about um, diversity, equity, inc and inclusion in, in town staff, there were a lot of people going to those meetings regularly. Um, similarly on committee meetings, there's not usually a lot of people outside committee members who go, although all of those meetings are open to the public. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, and like every single meeting begins with um, space for public participation. So that's a space for anybody, anybody in the town to go, whether you're a registered voter or not, um, to go and to bring up something that is obviously important to you, uh, that you feel that the town government needs to be aware of. And what was my point? I had a point there. It was like really important. But like you should do that. Well, like public participation. Public and participation. And it is open to everyone. Yeah, and... And these I think that was like how I started. Sorry, the, the committees that you mentioned, anyone can be a part of that committee, is that correct? Well, How does that work? So you get appointed by the select board to be on a committee, but anyone, any, I believe it's anyone in Brattleboro um, who's a town resident um, can basically apply to be on any number of these committees. And again, it's kind of like town meeting. The um, There's usually more open seats than there are people who want to fill them. So okay. if you have a strong interest in arts, you know, there's like a town arts committee that does all kinds of things related to the arts um, in Brattleboro. If you have an interest in that, you can do that. The skate park actually is a town committee. Um, so folks who have had an interest in that project happening or raising money for that have sat on that committee in the past. I sat on um, the first years that I lived in town, I was a member of the Citizen Police Communication Committee, mm-hmm. um, which is um, kind of the go-between between folks who live here um, and communicating with the police, whether it's complaints or um, compliments. Interesting. So we wanted to also ask you both about your thoughts on on the one hand, where the town of Brattleboro is headed in your experience on the select board and as town representative, you know, we're, we're known as this progressive place, but who do, you, who do you see benefiting from that? And then also on the larger scale, how, how you see this local pol- political world here in Brattleboro is connected to issues like homelessness, violence, uh, on both the local scale and on the larger scale as well. It's a lot of questions Sorry. in that one question. How about the first one? How about Brattleboro? Where Brattleboro is heading in terms of your observations and experiences at the political in the political arena here in Brattleboro, yeah, okay. and who's benefiting from where Brattleboro is heading? Sure. Okay. So um, I guess so. I usually go to select board meetings with a energy, climate, environment kind of um, focus, and I feel that the select board. <laughs> attitude towards those kind of issues has changed in the last couple of years and that's in part due to like public pressure uh it's also in part due to like economics so the town recently opened up a uh, huge solar array on the um Wyndham solid waste landfill closed landfill and that is providing the town with electricity uh that is renewable that's locally sourced um for like 80% of the town's electricity needs, which is a lot. And, you know, that was formerly electricity that was coming from the Green Mountain Power mix, which in comparison with like the rest of the country is a pretty clean mix, but it's still, you know, got, I don't know, like at least half of it is like fossil fuels. And, and so that came out of like an economic decision that the select board made because they had this amazing offer to get like super cheap energy through this, um, through this array. But it's also a response, I think, to like, you know, I was going to say citizen, to like residents' engagement with um, energy and environment issues. Um, And then I think that one of the other things that's happened at sort of town level is that in the last couple of years, there's been more appetite for discussions, long discussions, multi-week discussions about um, issues like panhandling, like diversity, 
I mean, those are the two that kind of like were big in the last year. And because we have like probably after the 2016 election, we have a more engaged electorate around these kinds of social issues. I think that that is starting to like make itself known in like the municipal politics. Like people, you know, when I when you ask me if anybody shows up to these meetings, like they they're not showing up on mass. But when there are those issues that people feel pretty strongly about, you will see like a packed room, and having that townwide discussion in a place where decisions can be made, um, I think is kind of helping to sort of move the needle or whatever I don't know you probably have a different perspective <laughs> I mean I think like what Daniel was saying earlier it's like it's a lot about relationships you know the the conversation that we were talking about earlier with looking at diversity equity and inclusion within town employees like that that didn't just happen either you know the longer version of that story is our town manager Peter Elwell who I think is doing a really fabulous job reached out to all kinds of people in this community a lot of activists and folks who are organizers and different kinds of stakeholders and had meetings over several weeks to say you know what do you all think about this what should we be doing how should we be handling this and he brought that back to the select board and and so I think yeah, I mean, it's all about relationships. And I think, you know, I moved here in 2011. Um, and, you know, being able to build those relationships over the past eight years, I'm able to have really different conversations with people who now are sitting on the select board or are thinking about running for select board than I could when I first moved here. Um, not that you have to have lived here for any amount of time to be able to jump into those things. A lot of people who are new to town are also getting involved um, in politics. And I think, yeah, the, the app, I see that appetite, too, growing for longer conversations. Um, and it's very interesting because I think sometimes, it, you know, a couple years ago, a lot of what we were hearing from Select Board was, you know, these kinds of social issues actually aren't in our purview. And what we're really responsible for is financial management of the town. And I'm glad. I'm, I'm really pleased that they have turned their eyes back towards, you know what, we actually are... Um, we're setting the tone for a lot of the conversations and a lot of what happens in this town on the select board. And so I think they've they've turned back to having those kinds of longer conversations, which I think is really positive. You know, we're not always coming up with solutions that are working for everyone. And when I say we, I really, I'm meaning the town and our community, but I think being able to have those discussions in that kind of setting and led by people who are elected is really positive. Yeah, I think... I think we have a really specific opportunity in this town and we do statewide as well. You know, we only have about 600,000 people living here in Vermont. And so at the same time that we're able to do really interesting things at the state level, um, like this year in the legislature, we passed all single use bathrooms must be designated all gender, which is super exciting and amazing. And that's something we're able to do in Vermont because we're a small community, because we have those kinds of relationships. We're able to do those kinds of things here in Brattleboro as well, um, like create a lot of interesting test cases and say like, what what can we do here in this small community where we have deep relationships that we can do at a different level and a different scale than you can do in a bigger community? And so I think that's that's where I see us headed. Um, it's like deep engagement with each other, continuing to bring up hard issues and, and pushing the envelope of what we can do together. And I think just what you said leads into what uh, Marisa was asking in the second part is, and so this again is for both of you, if do you feel feel that it's important to connect the local politics with the larger scale thing and you know as what we see is this increasing homelessness increasing privatization that we see you know not just in the states but throughout the globe increasing poverty and violence what do you, do you do you feel like it's important to those make those connections and if so why or what do you think about that for either of you 
can speak to that. So, I mean, yes, definitely, I think, um, because, you know, our community is a microcosm of everything else that's happening here in the, you know, we have, I mean, I, I think it's really, I'm very challenged personally when I see people coming here and saying things like, not in Brattleboro, like, mm-hmm. how could this be happening? And um, <laughs> I think, you know, it's a challenge that a lot of rural communities face, this, like, image of, like, pastoral, perfect whiteness, basically, um, that's been, you know, put out for a lot of different reasons, right? Like, our economy depends heavily on tourism, and so, like, that particular picture is attractive to people of like particular people who are able to come here and spend their money um and and so i think like i don't feel surprised when difficult things happen um like violence and poverty and oppression are in every single corner Mm -hmm. um of our country and world whether you know and like we see that it's it's less or more visible right depending on wealth like people who are very rich are also experiencing those kinds of problems which is behind their like private closed doors um right we know this about all kinds of things domestic violence drug use um and so i think when people are surprised about those kinds of things it's challenging and i think um yeah every issue that is happening racism there's been a lot of um overt racism there's always constantly subtle racism that's happening in this community it's surprising to me when people say things like why could this happen here um so i think it's super important to keep ourselves in this community engaged with what are broader national conversations um and again we're able to make different kinds of decisions it's easier to lobby our select board than it is to lobby even our um representatives to u.s congress so again we can do those different kinds of things but yeah i think absolutely everything that happens here is related to national stuff that's happening Thanks. I also, just thinking about, you had said earlier that the select board used to think that its job was financial management. And and as a teacher in an outlying town, or a former teacher of an outlying town, um, we, you know, we heard things like, oh, you know, it used to be just in downtown Brattleboro. Now it's coming out here. It's coming out here, you know. And that, um, that it was caused by poverty. Um, on a large scale. So I think that that financial management is what's going to make things different here in Brattleboro and outside. Well, I'll just say one more thing. So so Brandy Starr, who I'm such a fan of on our select board, um, will, uh, you know, has said often, she'll say this at town meeting all the time, right? Like a budget is a moral document, actually. And like how we're, it is true that a big part of the select board's job is financial management. It's a big part of all of our jobs. And so I think how, how are we choosing to spend the like, 14 and a half, 15 million dollars that we have collected through our taxes and other means. Like those, those are like moral, ethical, political choices. How are we choosing to spend that money? So that's, yeah. And Oh, go ahead, Daniel. I was thinking the other day about this phrase, fiscal responsibility. Like it's usually kicked around by like kind of conservative people to say like, basically we should be cheap, right? We shouldn't spend the money on stuff because we need to be fiscally responsible and prudent. And, um, but you know, there's also like the other kind of side of that maybe where how we spend our money like really matters, right? Every single um, dollar that gets spent in this town goes someplace and does a thing, uh, and we could choose to invest in you know systems that are oppressive. We could choose to invest in like extractive industries that like destroy land, lives, people, um, you know, or we could be more responsible with our money, right? I'm thinking about that $900,000 for the fire truck or the $90,000 for three new police cars. And that, you know, that's a lot of money, 
right? Yeah. Well, the fire truck. So the fire truck's an interesting thing, right? Um, like in a town like this. I mean, we're sitting opposite the Brooks House, mm-hmm. and the Brooks House f- fire was responded to by a ladder truck that helped make it less absolutely terrible and so we have this fire truck right now that is kind of on its last legs and we don't know if it's going to work properly and in the event of a fire we want like people in this town to be safe and we want to preserve like the infrastructure of the town so that it works for people i don't know yeah and there's a lot of I feel like there's a lot of fires in this town. There's a lot of fires in this town. Because the buildings are, like, a lot of the homes are horrible. Like, they're so mm -hmm. run down. I mean, it's also, like, a super good use of public funds, right? Like, I couldn't buy a fire truck on my own, and I don't want those (laughs) things to be privatized. Like, the way that we can make million-dollar purchases actually is to... Sounds like (laughs) socialism. It's to redistribute our money in the form of a fire truck. (laughs) Sidewalk plows? Yes. You want to talk about sidewalk plows? Please. Oh, so one of the other things that happened at town meeting this year was we decided to appropriate $140,000 um, to purchase a second sidewalk plow, um, which I'm very excited about. I think what Daniel's talking about, how uh, making decisions about how we spend our money is something that we get to do. And to me, it's a really important value that people be able to access our town all over the place on sidewalks in the winter safely, which is made much easier by the use of a second sidewalk plow. Um, I had an experience this past week when I was voting on Tuesday that someone who was in town meeting said, oh, did you enjoy your first town meeting? I said, oh, it wasn't my first town meeting, but I loved it. It's my favorite day. She said, boy, your group really wanted to spend, spend, spend. (laughs) And I said, yeah, I did. I think we got a lot of really good stuff that we couldn't have had otherwise that our community really needs. And, And I think that's what Daniel's saying. You know, we're spending this money anyway. How are we choosing to spend it? And what are we choosing to spend it on is really the question. Yeah. I think that's a that's a great point. And what one thing ahead, that Marissa. we were talking earlier um, with you about HB was the um, the difference or contradictions that you saw between electoral politics and grassroots movements. Um, so, what if any contradictions do you see between those things, Daniel or HB? <laughs> oh, I'd love to hear HB's thoughts because okay. I'm, I'm sure they're very that. well formulated. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, my. As a grassroots organizer, um, I live in the world of, yes, we absolutely need this thing. Like, we need to get off fossil fuels, like, yesterday. Um, We need to get onto renewable energy, like, now. And it needs to be just um, for, when I say just, I mean, like, a just transition, not, like, just renewable energy. And at the local government level, things move much slower and happen in a less kind of... um, you know, you, you don't get 100% of the things that you want at that level. And and also there's a finite number, well, actually, that's not really true. But it is made out that there is a finite number of dollars in the budget and, you know, and we slice up that pie in a way that we think is sensible for the town. I don't know. I mean, I think that the grassroots can push the town to do better for the people in the town that if you're doing good grassroots organizing, then you have more of an understanding of what the real issues are in the town, and you can provide that information to the select board in a persuasive way. You know, I think that one of the things that we've talked about today is like, get involved in in your local politics. Like, sometimes it is super boring. Like, this week's select board meeting doesn't have all that much exciting stuff coming up. 
but um, <laughs> but like staying in touch with what's happening, reading like the reformers, you know, um, reporting on it, looking at agendas, looking beyond the agenda. They you know they produce an agenda with like the kind of top line stuff about what's going to be uh, discussed. But there's also an administrative report, and it's usually in that report that you see the things that you're like, oh, when they say this, what they actually mean is there's all this kind of stuff mm-hmm. behind it, and. And that's actually kind of interesting. I've got the, uh, what have we got here? The 238-page town report. Daniel has his booklet here. (laughs) Hear that? In front of me. (laughs) And, like, this is full of all of the information that goes into the budget. And, like, as HB said before, and as Brandy has kind of, um, you know, affirmed on several occasions, the budget is a moral document. It's an ethical document. It's not just... It's not some neutral thing. You know, those budget decisions are made by people with priorities and um, prejudices and biases and all that stuff. So the grassroots can do a lot to kind of shape that conversation that ends up becoming a budget. Well, and so one great example of that this year was actually um, in, this, in the WSESU uh, school district budget, they were looking to cut um, the diversity um, position. And so people people kind of caught wind of this, um, grassroots activists here in our community. We turned out about 75 people to the initial meeting that was a budget meeting. And, and basically people um, gave verbal input and said, you know, here's why this is important to us, including students and parents and teachers and elders and all kinds of people um, saying, no, like, please don't cut this. Here's why we need it. You may not do this. Um, and so that that was like a show of grassroots support like within the system. I also wanted to say like quick thank you um, to Chris Gratke and I Brattleboro who takes notes at every single select board meeting and publishes them. <laughs> and all of the meetings are also available on BCTV um, if you want to watch them after, which I admittedly do sometimes. Sometimes you watch <laughs> them live at my house. Um, I always call HB if I needed to know something <laughs> about the select board. Um, <laughs> So those, so those two things, and then I think, you know, back to your question, Marisa, of electoral politics versus grassroots, like, you know, I think, I think both are important. We as grassroots activists often are, like, lobbying our elected officials, and, like, if we can be those people and, like, actually hold that power, like, that's one less step, but how are people actually able to get into those positions in order to get elected? Are you having to compromise significantly on, on political positions that you hold? Uh, you know, I think that balance is really challenging. Um, I think electoral politics also, like, like take in a lot of resources, including time and energy and money that could um, be used in other ways. I don't, you know, is it better? Is it not? I think we, obviously we need both. We have both. Um, I think one recent example we were talking about earlier this week was when um, the racist flyers and chalking went up in town and for a variety of reasons, including folks being out of town, um, including I think a lot of people putting significant energy into primary elections for state legislature at the same time, you know, our community response to those issues was maybe not what it might have been. You know, it's so it's been so easy for us in the past to throw together rallies or marches and those weren't things that happened recently. I mean, to me, a contributing factor certainly people working on their elections at that time um and so that that like push and pull of great now we have people who are going to be working for us in the state house but what did we what did we lose like what was the opportunity cost of not being able to have a really strong invisible response in the same way that we might have mm-hmm. thank you yeah i think that's a a great point that you make and 
This conversation has been really helpful for me because it makes me think about the ways in which um, we can get involved and it makes me question a lot about electoral politics too. I don't have the answers right now, but I just feel like that I often find that people that are doing organizing work often know the conditions of people on the everyday better than a lot of other people that are making these decisions. And so I think it's, it is important for us to think about how we get involved and what we do and to keep having those conversations. Marisa, did you want to say anything? No, I think I'm just thinking about the people who have been elected and who are on our town politics. Not probably many of them have been homeless before or so I'm thinking about, about that too. Yeah, and we need to start wrapping up here. Is there any last thing that either of you would... Daniel, yes. <laughs> uh, I was just kind of thinking about like, well, we talked earlier about how select board meetings are first and third Tuesdays yeah. of every month and they start at 6.15 and they go on forever. Um, and that, like, just like we were talking about with town meeting, representative town meeting and the childcare is sometimes a barrier for people to get there. Um, so you don't actually physically have to go to the meeting. Uh, BCTV, our wonderful community TV station, streams Brattleboro Select Board meetings. They also stream like planning commission meetings, finance committee meetings, whatever. Um, other surrounding towns, you know, if you want to see what's going on on the Vernon Select Board, you can find that out on BCTV. Um, so you, BCTV do that through their website, which is like brattleborotv.org. And furthermore, uh, you know, like you can watch it live and then you can also, you know, watch it at a time that's convenient for you. And um, Chris Grotke, who hosts uh, a radio show on this here station, Bubble Wrap, every Wednesday, 7 to 9, also is one of the people behind um, iBrattleboro, which is a website that's been around for like 15 years and is sort of like a community kind of like online com discussion place. Um, and he does uh, a somewhat kind of a wry and amusing summary of every select board meeting. Um, and it's ready, like, you know, sometimes the same night or like the next morning at the latest. Um, so, you know, you don't have to be physically in the room, but it kind of helps the, the, you know. Or you can stand up and, and say your piece when you're physically in the room. Yeah. Um, so I'll have just two more quick things for me, I think. I, it has been great to get to personally know a lot of the people who are both on our select board and running for state legislature. And I think, yeah, it helps me trust them in a different way. Um, certainly not that I trust every single decision that every single person is making. But I think, again, those personal relationships like really do make a difference um, for have for me. Um, and you can reach out to people. People are like super approachable, you know, and open to being communicated with. And so I think if you want to know more about someone's experience or background, you should just reach out to them and have coffee with them or sit down with them or something, have folks on this show. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing I want to say is a thank you to my mom, who my whole... Shout out. Yeah, shout out to mom. Um, <laughs> she always works the polls in our hometown and I think helped me like understand and have an interest in town politics and be interested in like, why is this even important? what are we doing here um, and also it, you know she kind of did both like she was in like an anti-sweatshop fashion show and then you know later that year was also working the polls and so I think for me she was a really great example of someone like being like both and right being able yeah. to have both of those things together so that's awesome thanks mom nice 
Well, HB and Daniel, we want to thank you so much. Two town reps here, District True. District True. Right? Yep. Thank you so much for being on the show and spending your Sunday with us. I want to quick just again announce that Thursday, August 30th, Brattleboro Solidarity is going to be having a film showing called The Prison in 12 Landscapes. It's all about how the prison infiltrates our lives and communities outside of the prison walls. And we'll also be talking about the national prison strike coming up on August 21st through September 9th. Marisa, you got anything else? Okay. Thank you. Thank you. And Thanks. we are going to go out with uh, one last Aretha song. She died August 16th at the age of 76. We're going to play Young, Gifted, and Black, and we'll see you next week.